Welcome to the Street Smart Wisdom Podcast from Wisdom Feed. I'm Steve Stein. In this series, we talk to best-selling authors and thought leaders doing great work in the world of mindfulness, wellness, and creativity. Our mission is to bring ancient ideas down to street level and bring you takeaways that you can apply to everyday life. Enjoy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterListen.com. At BetterListen, we have hundreds of audios, courses, and programs available to stream and download. As a listener to the Street Smart Wisdom podcast, you are eligible for a free audiobook download. Just visit BetterListen.com forward slash free today. On today's show, our guest is holistic psychologist, Dr. Todd Pressman, author of Destiny by Design, and several other important books discussing emotional intelligence and A Course in Miracles. We discuss the various ways to conquer and harness fear, as well as the concept of achieving fulfillment in our lifetimes. Enjoy the show. Hi there, we're here with Dr. Todd Pressman, and we're going to find out a little bit more about him today. So Todd Pressman, who are you? It's a chance to introduce yourself to, uh, to our community. Well, good morning, and thanks for having me. Who are you is the question that the Zen masters ask their students, isn't it? And it's a, it's a trap. You're supposed to say something without ego. I don't know how to answer now. <laughs> but let me give you a traditional answer. I'm a psychologist, uh, spiritually oriented or holistically oriented psychologist. I've been practicing for about 31 years. And um, I guess psychology is an expression of who I am personally, uh, because at maybe age 12 or so, I started pretty intensively on my own psychological and spiritual path of growth and haven't stopped since. That was a long time ago, too. <laughs> um, my journeys have taken me through especially the teachings of A Course in Miracles and Zen Buddhism, uh, but had my hand in a wide variety of approaches to personal growth. And I guess through the years, I've integrated that with my psychological background to create to create a program that I think we're going to be talking a good bit about today for helping people work through the primary obstacle to fulfillment um, spiritually, psychologically, which is fear. And once we get fear out of the way, there's nothing blocking our path to our natural state of being as I see it, which is a uh, sense of wholeness and completion in every dimension that you could possibly imagine. Okay, so now to the next question. Well, what do you do? Well, as a psychologist, I work with people individually, but um, also love the model of group therapy. And I've extended that model, I suppose, to speaking to large groups these days um, as I present my seminars or conferences at conferences on on this model called deconstructing anxiety. And the, the basic principle or philosophy behind it is that fear, again, is the single 
root cause of all suffering. And we have in psychology and spirituality different approaches to working with fear. But I think that we haven't really understood the, the nuts and bolts of what's going on at, at the source to see how we can deconstruct fear or anxiety at the very elemental level. Understanding that it's resistance or defensiveness, our push against reality that actually creates and perpetuates fear. Once we get our hands on that, we have a real tool for transformation because you can go all the way through the fear once understanding that it is an illusion, fundamentally an illusion. And that again opens the way to a higher spiritual fulfillment and sense of purpose. Question about fear. So with fear, is it something that needs to be overcome or is it something you need to kind of accept and move through? And have you looked at any of the science of it, of fight or flight and that kind of thing? Sure, let me handle the science part first. There's a lot of work being done in neuropsychology these days, analyzing exactly what parts of the brain are activated with fear and how we can use other parts of the brain to transcend that and so forth. Um, I have two problems with that. One is that really they're just describing what's happening in the brain and they're not opening up new insights for how to transform fear. Um, the, the prescriptions that you see are very simplistic and, and uh, working with models of basic relaxation exercises or physical exercise as a way to transform fear, which we've known are helpful. But all they're saying is, you know, this activates this part of the brain when you do that and, and so forth. The second problem I have with it is it's based on a premise of brain determining psychology or brain determining consciousness. And I am a huge proponent of the idea that consciousness determines physiology. It's the other way around. What we think creates our reality, even physically. So, um, you know, there's all kinds of metaphysical implications there we don't have to go into, but uh, as far as neuropsychology goes, um, it's a new field, people are all excited about it, and it has potential for helping, but it also can lead to a trap, because they're starting to say in trauma work, for instance, that these traumatic events get hardwired into the brain, and you can't just do psychotherapy on them or spiritual work. And that I think is unfortunate because again, if consciousness precedes reality, then, then we can always have a, a fix and we can always find a path to freedom. Um, forgetting your other questions, if you don't mind repeating them for me. Uh, no, that, that's kind of the, um, the, the gist of what I, I was looking for. Uh, so, Two thoughts that come to mind when you mention the word fear, you know, in A Course in Miracles, they talk about love and fear. It's kind of, uh, is it not didactic, it's uh, uh, binary, mm -hmm. love or fear. It's one or the other, at least right. that's my understanding. And the other thing that comes into mind from 100 years ago, I remember I walked on hot coals with Tony Robbins, and his whole thing was fear into power. Mm -hmm. So one is kind of like take charge, and the other is, you yeah. know, you know, it's 
I don't know Jen, how to describe oh, love yeah. or fear, but it's a contrast. Yeah. Beautiful question, and it reminds me what you were asking before. Yeah, my understanding is that your fear is, in my, my model, contrasted with fulfillment. And I use the word fulfillment. It's equal to love, but it, um, it's more acceptable than love to some people. And uh, it's sort of more encompassing because it includes the concept of wholeness, also from A Course in Miracles, completion, satisfaction, equanimity if we're going into Buddhist realms. So fear is contrasted with fulfillment or love in A Course in Miracles insofar as it's a block, an obstacle to our experience of that fulfillment. And importantly, all importantly, it's an illusory block. It's not there. It's only a made up perception that we're projecting as an overlay on top of the reality of love or wholeness. So in the Tony Robbins approach, and it can absolutely work and be great for some people on some situations, but it's predicated on an understanding that you are going to overpower fear. What does that do? It actually makes the idea of the fear real. There's something real to overpower. And in my deconstructing anxiety model, I would say it increases our defensiveness or our fight against fear. So you can get extremely excited and empowered with the, that kind of approach. Um, you know, it's a motivational approach, it's a positive thinking approach, but if it's not really uprooting the source of the problem in the first place, it's gonna come back. So in A Course in Miracles approach or the deconstructing anxiety approach, we want to either transcend the fear to see that it's not real because I described three doorways to transformation, the doorway of the mind, the body, and the spirit, and different exercises or techniques or psychotherapies or spiritualities will enter one of those and if they're successful, open up those other two doorways also. So A Course in Miracles is, for the most part, a very spiritual approach, getting so filled up with a higher transcendent perspective that the fear just dissolves. It's so inconsequential by comparison. You're not ignoring it. You're not doing a spiritual bypass. You're looking at the fear next to the power of this, the, the authentic power of this spiritual perspective, and it just disappears. We, it doesn't hold any muster. Sometimes, I believe, as a psychologist, fear has us too much in its grip for us to simply rise above, in which case you can keep applying a spiritual approach, but it's going to take a really long time, a lot of convincing. It's much more uh, efficient, faster, and effective, I think, to say, all right, I'm stuck in this belief that fear is real right now. It's really got me. I have a big investment in it for some reason. I've got all kinds of secondary gains that I'm not aware of, buried in my unconscious. Now let me go through that fear. You could call this exposure therapy in psychology. Let me go into and through that fear to discover it doesn't have the threat. It doesn't hold the threat that it promised. It doesn't actually have power. Now we've come to the same spiritually transcendent place. Fear is seen to be an illusion but I haven't sort of willed myself to see it that way. I haven't had to press against anything to say, no, the fear, it's coming to get me, but I'm gonna pretend it's not there. I've accepted it, I've looked at it, I've actually let it completely wash over me, and I've survived it. 
One of my favorite quotes is, my life was filled with terrible misfortunes, most of which never happened. <laughs> so we have to see that these fears are illusions, they're projections made up that are overlaying on top of authentic reality, objective reality, and we want to not be stopped by that illusion. Excellent, excellent. Our friends at Better Listen are offering a special discount to listeners of the show. 20% off all programs by Todd Pressman. Just go to betterlisten.com, search for Pressman, and use discount code TODD20 when checking out. Enjoy. So um, one of the things that we're focusing on with Wisdom Feed is a um, couple of things. One is mindfulness and being present and how does that, is that a part of your construct or your methodology or uh, you know, being present to what's actually really there? You alluded to it. Most things never happen you know, that you're scared of happening or that you hope to happen. I mean, it works both ways. Right. But, um, how does mindfulness play into this? Very much so. As I said, uh, Zen Buddhism was important in my background, still is. Um, I'm going to go back to a little bit of cosmology and um, talk about A Course in Miracles' perspective on how this creation got started. We're having, as it says, a tiny mad belief and it's a dream, essentially, as many spiritual or wisdom traditions talk about. Uh, a dream that we're separate from the original state of oneness or wholeness. And in the oneness, we are only experiencing love and completion because we're one with everything. We have all of our needs met because we're joined with them. There's no one or no thing out there that I'm separate from to cause me distress. And uh, it's what I need is over there. I don't have it with me. I like to say that time is space, I'm sorry, time is fear laid out sequentially. Because what I have in this illusion of separation is over there at that time. It's not here with me now. And space is fear laid out in three dimensions. What I have is over there located in that other place, not here with me now. Um, beautiful line from A Course in Miracles, heaven is here, there is nowhere else. Heaven is now, there is no other time. So when I work through fear, I work through the illusion that my good is over there and then. And I realize it's here and now. So, you know, I worked with that concept, why is Buddhism and why are the other teachers saying, you gotta be in the moment, why is, why is that so important? And when I worked with the concept of fear projecting our needs over there and then, and said, oh, when I, when I see through the illusion of fear, there's nothing I need. I have everything. What I thought was scary was that I was going to <clears throat> be separated from what I needed now, I'm sorry, in the future or in the past. What I have is always here now. When I let go of fear, I see that I'm complete here and now. So yeah, it's a very important concept. I usually approach it less from practicing being in the moment, practicing um, an awareness that what you have is here and now. And again, I, I want to get through the blocks to that, the fear-based fear blocks to that. 
and then it shows up automatically in here and now. Interesting. And then another kind of theme that we're looking for, I'm kind of finding, not my voice, but you know, we're doing this whole new wisdom feed project. It's kind of a big idea. We're excited about doing it. But I think part of the, the thing that I'm interested in after being around this stuff for forever is, you know, bringing it down to street level. So street smart wisdom, you know, people that have gone to your lectures or go to the ashram or go to uh, already psychologists or have been meditating for 20 years, uh, they're, kind, they're the choir. But how does this relate to people that have no clue? Like mm -hmm. I have a cousin in New Jersey or the people back in Brooklyn that I grew up with that wouldn't know, you know, a meditation cushion if they hit them in the head. Right, mm -hmm. right. But, but what, how does what you're doing relate to, you know, real people? <laughs> real people have fear. Unfortunately, anxiety just became the number one psychiatric diagnosis in America, surpassing depression, cause for celebration, right? It is an epidemic, and everybody can relate to fear. Um, in the deconstructing anxiety model, as I've said, fear is the root of all suffering. So there's a process called digging for gold, uh, because there's gold and then there are hills. There's, there's um, very, very... Uh, important information when we find the fear, what I call the core fear, underneath any problem that we have. So a client comes to me as a psychotherapist, or I'm speaking to a general audience uh, in a lecture or a seminar, and I say, pick a problem, any problem, something you want some freedom from, or what are your big goals in life and what's stopping you? And then we trace it down to the core fear, that unique individual interpretation, faulty interpretation of life that they have bought into that's chasing them their whole lives, that's causing their distress and their, their limitation. And then we work with different processes. Uh, I like to call the alchemist, the observer, the warrior stance, uh, different ways of, <clears throat> again, dissolving that fear and discovering that it's really an illusion in the end. Wow. <clears throat> so I, I find that people not really exposed to this stuff for whatever reason, uh, you know, a lot of times it's help or it's medication or it's some side effect to a medication or they're overweight and the doctor says lose weight or else, or they're taking a medication for anxiety, which everyone and the, you know, I don't know, I think it's four out of three people on some kind of, uh, you know, anxiety medicine. It's like, candy going around uh, but there are side effects from that so when people start seeing side effects and they say and i my what i'm seeing and they see that there's an opportunity to just be in the moment on some level in whatever you know way you're approaching it uh your fear or anything and there's no side effects and i think they just did a study that mindfulness is more effective than a lot of the medications in dealing with these kind of anxiety disorders. So, uh, no, you sound, you're doing great work. It's uh, good stuff. The number one side effect, I would say, from anti-anxiety medication or any psychiatric medication is that 
it really robs us of the opportunity to develop our agency from within to discover that nothing out there has the power to stop us. We are the directors of our lives. And you know, it's almost a cliche in new age circles, but you can have the direct experience, no question, simply by, by moving through the fear skillfully and all the way. That's the missing piece. We haven't, maybe it's a courage thing, haven't yet gone all the way through and really burst open that core fear at the root of all of our struggles which is very possible to do now. There, there are processes that I'm very happy to, to discuss that, that break it open reliably every time and rather quickly as well. Excellent. So there's the one question that I alluded to earlier, and I heard this author that we've worked with, Gary Vaynerchuk, he's a pretty dynamic person. He's a self-help person, even though he's not in that world, he's in marketing. Uh, so he asked this question I'm gonna, to, to someone in the podcast, and I'm going to ask it to you. If you were a superhero, what would your creation story be? You know, what happened that set you on this path kind of thing? What would have become, what have, what would have turned me into a superhero? No, if you were a superhero, every superhero has a creation story. You know, how they became that way. What, you know, kryptonite when they were 10 or, you know, the Hulk <laughs> was, a, was involved with some explosion and now he has this inner power or. Gotcha. I could say my kryptonite was fear or my own personal struggle. I wanted answers. I was hell bent on getting freedom. I think that really it came from uh, <laughs> karma in previous lives, I'm sure. But I was, you know, I didn't tell this part of my background. I, uh, I was born to a mother who was a social worker and a father who was a psychoanalyst. So what chance did I have, right? I was, I was doomed from the start. And uh, I, I also like to share that my father was a student of students of Freud. So I, I call myself a third generation Freudian. I, had, I heard very interesting stories about his uh, experiences um, with his teachers who sat at the feet of the master. So I was, I was raised in that kind of environment, but uh, at age 12 or 13, I had, like all good adolescents, um, all stirrings inside, and I had to figure out what's the meaning of life and who am I really and what is purpose all about. But where other kids are content to say, uh, I don't know, let's go get a hamburger, <laughs> I had to figure it out. I really was um, quite tenacious. And I think at that moment, I'll share a personal story. I, I think I was visited um, by uh, a, a sort of mystical experience where I, I saw the void. I really saw it. I didn't ask for it. It was quite terrifying. Um, and it shattered my innocent childhood world. I was raised in a very loving family and felt all kinds of security. But now I saw you know, there's infinity out there. There's this thing called death. And I was not a happy camper. I was, that set me very intensively on a course toward getting some of these answers. Um, and uh, at that same time, my father, this traditional Freudian analyst was opening up to his spiritual path. And I heard him talking about certain concepts like everything is oneness and everything is consciousness and at age 12 or 13 I, I somehow intuitively knew that that's true there's something there I've got to understand that and I started reading some of the books he was reading uh, play of consciousness by Swami Muktananda was 
was one of the first ones. Um, the Tao of Physics, Kirchhoff Capra, I'm dating myself now, and, and so forth. And he and I had wonderful discussions through the years. Um, again, interfacing uh, psychology and spirituality and uh, new age physics and so forth. Um, and I think that turned me into the, the superhero you see today. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I, I like it. Humble um, superhero. <laughs> that, that, that's great. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to overcome my fear. What do you call a therapist that slides on the ice? Is this a joke? Is there a punchline? Or a therapist who slides on the ice? I don't know. What do you call a therapist who slides on the ice? A Freudian slip. Oh boy. Sorry. Sorry. I'm going to give it right back to you. Did you hear about the Freudian therapist who had two cats? Freudy cat and Oedipus. Ooh. ooh. Yeah, now we're really digging low here. All right. Okay. All right. I don't know if that's a but um bump. But anyway, so thanks so much for your time. Anything else uh, you want to finish with or come to mind? Yeah, I just feel a sense of mission about reinforcing this all-important point that there is nothing out there, nothing, that has the potential to limit us or hold us back from our fulfillment in any way. And that is an experience we can really have now simply by working through fear all the way, which in itself isn't scary. It's done in imagination. You're looking at it from an objective uh, distance and separate vantage point. So it's very safe to just observe what the fear is pretending is going to happen next. Keep moving through that with the exercises that we now have all the way to discover it's pure illusion. It sets you free to the point where you get the idea I made this up. I created a perceptual illusion and it has no, no reality except when I keep on pressing against it with fear and resistance, which makes me think there's something real to press against. We get the idea that I can easily dismiss it more with a wave of a hand eventually than even with any kind of effortful process. And I'll end with this favorite quote from A Course in Miracles, only a thin wall of dust still stands between you and your good. Blow on it lightly and with happy laughter and it will fall away. Excellent. Thanks so much. That was, that was great. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. You've been listening to Street Smart Wisdom, the podcast from Wisdom Feed. You can follow Wisdom Feed on Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes. If you haven't, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. We appreciate your feedback. Join us next week for another Street Smart Conversation. Thank you for listening.